Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. I'm Nikkei Fabi, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we will be discussing entrepreneurship, or more specifically, solopreneurship, with a CPA who had the courage to launch her own business in the midst of a global pandemic. To share her thoughts, joining me today, we have Carolyn Sissons, CPA CMA, who will talk about her transition from the energy sector into her own venture as the founder of the Regulatory Learning Lab. Let's hear about what it truly takes to become an entrepreneur straight from the CPA's mouth. I heard that future casting is an essential tool for long-term business. According to a recent poll, 48% of Canadians say they are $200 or less each month away from the Do you think the energy sector is Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. We have Carolyn calling in today via Skype. Hello, Carolyn. Are you there? I am. Excited to be here. So maybe can you just provide us with a brief introduction for our listeners? Sure, sure. So I am a uh, former KPMG. I moved out to Calgary probably about 10 or so years ago, and I've worked in a variety of different roles, uh, everything from internal audit, FP&A, uh, even a little bit of operational accounting where I was flying back and forth to Fort McMurray, and eventually found my way into the utility sector, most recently as the Director of Regulated Accounting and Finance um, with a large energy company. And that's been my journey so far until about a month or so ago when I quit my job, retired from corporate life, and um, have kind of started this new venture. (laughs) That's great. So maybe can you talk a little bit about your new venture? Um, So what is the Regulatory Learning Lab and why you decided to bring this business to life? Sure. So the Regulatory Learning Lab is a boutique online training firm that focuses exclusively on power and utility sector and offers quite a range of financial, regulatory, and business acumen training. Um, I was having coffee with um, some family yesterday and I was kind of mentioning what I was up to and they kind of looked at me when I said that. They're like, I don't really understand what you are actually doing. (laughs) So maybe I can elaborate a little bit more if you'd like. Um, So most people are, uh, utilities is a very uh, niche sector and and a lot of people, very few people end up actually working within this field. But um, it's something, it's an area that actually affects every single one of us. Um, I'm sure that everyone listening uh, to this podcast woke up this morning, flicked the little switch and their lights came on in their house, in their room wherever they were. Um, And that all happens because of a very intricate um, system, a very complex system and infrastructure happening without us having to think about it. Um, But where regulatory finance, particularly in the utility space, comes in is figuring out who and how we're going to pay for all of that because there is a cost associated with it. Um, A typical rate application, um, trying to think of one that I was involved in a little while back, but uh, a transmission cost of service application would probably be um, quite complex. So think on that one in particular, we had around 11 binders of data 
data, file, schedule. So yeah, so I mean, if you can imagine kind of sitting at your desk and you have 11 binders stacked up, I mean, I'm all of five foot two and that's over my head. I'm sure even someone that's a little bit taller, it's, so it's, it's massive. Um, and a big component of what's in those rate applications is financial schedules, it's projections, it's business cases that are very number, very number heavy. Um, so that's kind of where Regulatory Learning Lab comes in is um, the people that have to make these decisions um, about, you know, what what the particular cost is going to be passed on to consumers, we need to have a good understanding of the financials. So it's a really a, a wide variety of different functional groups that can benefit from some of this financial acumen, whether you're a lawyer that's helping to kind of defend on one side or the other, or an engineer that's, you know, kind of more on the technical side of building some of this infrastructure, really helping them better understand the implications of the financials so that, um, so that they can make the right decisions. Uh, so that's that's kind of uh, in a little bit of a longer than a nutshell. That's that's where it fits in. No, yeah. that's great. So I know we had an opportunity to talk um, before this podcast, and you mentioned that you consider yourself to be somewhat of a solopreneur. Um, so yeah. how would you say this differs, I guess, from traditional entrepreneurship, and what sacrifices have you had to make along the way? Sure. So. Um, I think of when I think of entrepreneurship, I usually think of, you know, hiring your team and choosing a co-founder partners for your business. And at least in my mind, where I kind of differentiate the solopreneur is a very conscious and very deliberate choice to, um, to start a business on your own. So um, that that's kind of, in my mind, that's where you are choosing to, to, to really do a business with with yourself as the as the sole the the, the entire entity if that makes any sense mm-hmm. so for me i think one of the sacrifices and and i don't even know if i would think of it as a sacrifice necessarily but there's a certain trade off that you end up making and um for me it was building my website i mean if you had told me a year ago that i was going to be learning css and html coding and all of these different things i would have said no you're crazy like i couldn't imagine myself <laughs> doing anything like that um but i think it's one of those things that solopreneurs you have to be willing to do areas that might be outside of your core special um, and I, I kind of like that. I feel like as an online trading training company, it's really important that I understand the digital aspect. Uh, really, I want to feel comfortable with every single aspect of the business. Um, but it's not for everyone. And, and the reality is for some people, solopreneur is, is not for them. And they prefer whether it's a traditional corporate route or kind of a more traditional team-based entrepreneurial path. But I felt like I, I knew myself fairly well. And this was something that, you know, that I kind of wanted to wanted to pursue. So that's great. So would you say then um, solopreneurship might require, say, a little bit more risk than the traditional entrepreneurship when you can kind of share that risk among a team? In a way, I think that I mean I think it's controversial in the sense that I mean most of us have kind of taken traditional business management um, education where you're taught that you you specialize in a particular area and that becomes your particular specialty and everyone has different core strengths and when you come together as a team everyone can kind of play to their particular strengths so um, it does diverge from what I guess you could consider the the more traditional model honestly I don't really think of it as being more risk 
Um, I, I actually, even though in a way I'm, you know, starting a business during a pandemic, that sounds like a very like risky type of, (laughs) um, I, I think actually as a solopreneur, you can mitigate so many of the risks. Um, so, so I, I don't necessarily think so because you're not necess- you're not really becoming a very capital intensive business or at least and I do believe there's probably different people that take solopreneur to mean something slightly different it's probably a different interpretation that everyone has um, but because you're pursuing something that's scaled to fit you, you don't necessarily have to take on huge amounts of capital. You don't have to be responsible for a large payroll. You don't have to put yourself in a position that you have to corner a very large segment of the market. Um, You can kind of choose the area of the market that you want to go after. You do need to bring in a a broad skill set and a broad um, understanding of different areas. You know, like I had mentioned the website, but even things like, um, you know, even learning things like some marketing or Mm -hmm. uh, really all of those areas that whenever I was part of a very large organization, I mean, we would have whole departments that focused exclusively on that. So you, you do have to be willing to get into some different areas, but I think it gives you a, a sort of risk mitigation because you don't have to be very capital intensive and you don't have to take on some of the financial risk that um, some of the larger organizations do end up taking on. Right. So when you talk about um, the regulatory learning lab, I know you mentioned that the reason you kind of decided to pursue this business is that you felt there was a gap. So how did you know when you found the right idea and what factors did you consider when determining whether or not your business would be sustainable? Yeah, that is such a good question. I am still so early in my launch that I wish I had the answer to say, yes, I know 100% it is going to work. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where hopefully it does. But what I what I can say is when I was thinking about, you know, is it going to be sustainable and is it the right idea? I think like a lot of people, I kind of dabbled in entrepreneurship, but never anything, never any particular idea that really took hold or that I was really interested in pursuing. When I kind of looked at other options, um, it always made more sense to kind of stay doing a stable kind of job. There's no real shortage of if you if you have the right skill set in finance and accounting. I mean, there's there's a very steady paycheck every, every two weeks. Um, but kind of going back to your other question on the risk, when I was looking at it, I tend to look at it very analytically and I'm, and I think of it as risk is the likelihood and the severity of not meeting your objectives. And I think sometimes we get so focused on financial objectives, but when I was thinking about what my overall objectives are, it's, I mean, I want to have a healthy, happy, like, yeah, happy, healthy, wealthy life. And I knew that working in a corporate role, as much as it's great for a lot of people, um, there was no, the the risk of me, there, there was no chance of me being able to really, truly be happy and healthy. Sure, I was well compensated, um, but it it really was not going to be an avenue that was going to allow me to achieve my particular goals. Um, so when I kind of flipped it around that side and, and I kind of said, all right, here's here's kind of a different angle on what it is that I'm looking for, all of a sudden, um, the risk didn't seem quite so high. And again, kind of whenever you structure it in a way that you are not necessarily taking on significant, um, you know, significant capital or significant inventory that you're having to buy into, um, you can kind of change some of the risk dynamics. 
Um, so, so that's where I, I knew that I, I, I always loved doing training and I always loved some of the creative aspects that you can get into with, with kind of course design. And we're doing some pretty fun things with, a um, I'm kind of getting into some fun things with the regulatory learning lab with, you know, cartoon animations and Very cool. really, yeah, some kind of different sort of things. And I knew that for me, that was, that's the kind of things that gave me a lot more energy and I felt just, I enjoyed it so much more. And that's not to say that I don't intend for it to be profitable. I mean, I have very specific goals of where I want to be able to make a comfortable living on this particular path. Um, but, but when I was kind of looking at the overall picture of saying, I'm not trying to solely maximize my income, I'm trying to kind of craft an overall life that kind of fits me. And when I looked at it that way, I think the the risk was much higher of staying in a corporate environment that didn't suit me. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so I know you did mention a little bit about uh, dabbling in entrepreneurship throughout your career. So did you have, um, just as an add-on, did you have any specific moment where you realized you wanted to take an entrepreneurial path or is this something you've always wanted to do and this just happened to be a really good fit? I think that I've dabbled in it, um, but never very seriously. Um, I I would say this this idea came about, I think it was a really good fit for me. And, and I think that's the thing about going into entrepreneurship or becoming a solopreneur is it's about the idea, but it's also about the idea being a really good fit and a really good compliment for who and who and how you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's what I saw with this. Is like when I looked back on some of the things I most enjoyed um, in a corporate space, it was it was working with my team and and training them. It was kind of being able to do some of those side projects that I was able to to bring about um, throughout my corporate career, and and that was the stuff that I got excited about. And that was the stuff I really enjoyed doing. So um, I, I think it was honestly a little bit less around, uh, you know, it necessarily being the best idea in the world, but more about it being the right idea for my strengths and my my interests and what I really was passionate about doing. And, and, and I already knew that I was the kind of person that I'm not afraid of some hard work and maybe a little bit of hustle, like that doesn't scare me. So I was, I just kind of said, you know what, this is, yep, it might be during COVID. um, But this is sort of in a strange kind of way, this is actually the best possible time to, to do something like this. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in regards to the Regulatory Learning Lab, I know you mentioned there's been a lot of excitement in creating your own business, Um, but on the flip side, Have you ever experienced moments of doubt when deciding to move forward with this venture? And how did you overcome those feelings? Uh, Moments, definitely plural, definitely (laughs) moments times times 10, right? Um, Yeah, I I honestly think for me, that was probably why it took me so long to eventually branch out. I, um, I... it it did really take a long time to reach the point where I was ready to leave kind of a little bit more of a traditional safety net. Um, I, I don't really know that I was anyone in university that thought, Hey, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't feel that same calling. 
Um, because I think in my mind, I thought of entrepreneurship as being, you know, you had to be the loudest person in the room and had this very flamboyant type of personality. And that didn't always look like me. And I do think of myself as someone that's actually uh, not a risk taker, that's someone that's actually more cautious. So that's why I didn't really think that entrepreneurship would be the most suitable path for me. Um, But then it kept coming up again and again, just in very small and subtle ways. And, And I think I tried really, really hard just to find a way to get myself to fit into corporate life and to find a way just to be, I tried very hard just to say, hey, I have I have a very comfortable life here. I should just be good with that and, and focus on it. And it was kind of like, I don't know if it's a square peg in the round hole or round hole. Anyway, <laughs> that expression. But it just really, um, it, it, it just, I knew it wasn't going to be what was going to truly fulfill me. So, um, but I do know it, it took a really, really it took a really long time. And I think that was a lot of doubts and that's why I waited so long. And I don't know what it was about a particular pandemic. It's obviously the worst possible time to start a business. But at the same time, I think it actually for for the for a more digital type of, of, of business and especially something within the training type of space, in a way it actually is the best possible time because people can't travel to conferences. You know, people aren't necessarily able to do the same in-person uh, type of business model. So I think there was an opportunity kind of created there with um, knowing a little bit about video editing and kind of some some different skill sets that traditional training and traditional education providers might not have had. So it just, it was kind of the nudge, but yeah, definitely there were, there were moments, many, many, (laughs) many of them along the way of doubt. So yeah. I agree. And I think this whole COVID time has made us all really realize um, how valuable technology is and how much more I guess, how much more we can reach people through virtual activities versus in person. So I think it is a very interesting time to start a business, but also a very important time. So um, what advice What advice could you give um, to listeners who are interested in starting their own business? Do you think this is something that requires kind of like an all or nothing approach? Or can people work towards this goal while also working or studying full time? Yeah. Okay. So you might expect me to say, yeah, throw caution to the wind, YOLO, you only live <laughs> once, just go for it. But I, actually that's that's probably not what I would recommend. Um, I, I mean, I definitely think go for it, but go for it in a really smart and thoughtful way. Um, so for me, what, what I did is, uh, like I said, along the years, I had kind of dabbled in entrepreneurship where I kind of read a lot about it. I went to um, some startup events, kind of just kind of was on the periphery of it for, for some time. Um, but it, it, it took a little while until I was ready to go for it. A few specific things that I did find helpful was, um, testing out whatever assumptions you're making that are riskiest. Um, so basically kind of deconstruct all of the assumptions that you're making for why the business might work or might not work, test those out, figure out the ones that are most likely to cause you to fail, and then figure out what you can do to mitigate them before that ultimately ends up happening. Um, So... So what I had done at one point is even kind of look through, like, what do I think all of the objections would be for someone wanting to sign up for online training? And what can I do to get ahead of those and and kind of mitigate them? And I think, too, the other thing was um, 
I was very much, very, very cautious throughout my, not cautious is probably the wrong word, but very, I, because I knew that I at some point was going to want to do something different, I was very deliberate in a lot of my choices um, throughout the years. So I was very intentional about saving money, investing well, living within my means, but actually significantly below my means so that I'd have a really long runway. So part of what gave me a bit more comfort to do something like this is that I kind of know what my living expenses are. I knew what it was going to cost. I felt really comfortable that I could give myself a solid a pretty, pretty long time runway to be able to go into something else, to give myself some time to experiment. To The reality is anytime you're starting a business, it's going to take so much longer than you ever anticipated. So mm-hmm. you don't want to be in a situation where you're going to have to be forced to put out a product that's not quite what you want or kind of forced to throw up your you know, throw up your hands too, too quickly. Um, so I think, I, I think a big part of it was preparing, um, ahead of time, even though I wasn't necessarily preparing the specific business idea, it's kind of using the time while you are working to set yourself up so that it'll be a smooth or smoother ride once you, um, once you get into it, because, I mean, I think we've all heard the statistics on, you know, the number of businesses that fail in their first year or fail right. in their first five years, right? It's it's pretty demoralizing when you look at it that way. Um, but I think we almost need to change the conversation and change the narrative around like what what was a fail, right? So I think that there's a very big distinction. If you if you went into a business and after five years, you're leaving with significant personal and corporate debt and you know you didn't turn a profit for those five years I understand and that didn't quite work out but if you spent five years on a business and it replaced what your normal job income was and you learned a lot along the way the fact that after five years you decide to wind it up and to try something else or to go another chapter I personally wouldn't define that as being a failure so it's kind of figuring out um you know, kind of looking a little bit further, a little bit below the surface of, you know, how many of these failures truly are failures and the ones that are failing, why is that? Is it is it too high of a burn rate that you're just going through your cash too quickly? Was it unrealistic assumptions? You know, what what was it about it that led to to some of that? And I think if you're smart about it, you can mitigate a big part of those risks. Great. Yeah. So you did mention going through your cash too quickly and maybe there's a financial literacy piece to starting and owning your own business. So how has your CPA training prepared you for owning your own business and why is it valuable, do you think, for entrepreneurs to have a CPA designation? Yeah. Um, yeah. Financial literacy, I think, is critical. I I really think it's something that should be getting taught in, you know, in schools, in grade school. It's such an important life skill. And yeah, when you're an entrepreneur, it's that much more important because you're no longer going to have a steady paycheck every two weeks and you're going to have unpredictable cash flows. And um, yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot more there. I think you absolutely have to have a really solid handle on your personal financials as well as your business financials. Um, I think you you need to be, you need to know down to, like, you need to know what is, what is it costing you to live? What of that is discretionary? Um, and, and figuring out when you're in 
your own business, especially in those first few years and you're starting out, you, you aren't going to be probably, I mean, maybe you have millions saved up and cash is no concern and you can spend like crazy. But for the vast majority of people starting your own business, that's not going to be the case. So you need to have an extremely close eye on where your money is going and and using it, I think, really wisely and really strategically. And that'll look differently for, that'll look different for different people, right? Um, for me, like I was mentioning, I wanted to build the website myself. That was, that was really important. It was kind of like that feeling when, it's almost if you've ever built a fence or built a deck and you look back and you say, yeah, I did that. Like it feels really good. That's how I felt about building the website. It was it was worthwhile for me and it was not a good investment for me to spend a lot of money to have someone go and build that out for me. Um, but for other people, maybe maybe that is a good use of funds for them. So I don't think it's necessarily black and white. It might be, it might be a different part, a different what is a strategic use of funds for one business might be a reckless use of funds for a different business. So it's kind of figuring out what makes most sense for, for your specific business. Um, but generally, I think it's, it's you need to be very, very careful with where your money is going. And that's one of the things I like about Solopreneur is that you don't burn, you don't have the same burn rate as a traditional business. And I think that helps you run a little bit longer, right? It's a lot of times businesses ramp up really fast and hire people and they that's a lot to be able to sustain payroll for an extended time period and um and I think it's an advantage that you end up facing as a solopreneur is that you know in my case I don't need to spend a lot of money on office space I don't have to worry about the the pressures to be able to rush to push out a product or um, kind of be able to take my time to pursue opportunities very strategically because I know what my burn rate is. Um, so I, I think it's really important for all entrepreneurs to get a very, very good handle on their personal finances as well as their businesses' finances. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, it does, right? Yeah. It, it seems like there are definitely some benefits to solopreneurship, but again, like you mentioned, it all comes down to just what's going to work um, for that particular person. So what are some life lessons you've learned um, as you continue to create the Regulatory Learning Lab and just in general throughout your career so far? Sure. Oh, life lessons. I'm all of 36. So I've got a feeling over the next year, I'm going to be learning a lot more <laughs> new life lessons <laughs> as I go on this new path. But um, I think kind of looking back in some of my career so far, I would say one of the things that served me really well has been, yeah, like just learn like crazy, be a sponge, be willing to, yeah, I, I really think most of us, most I would I would venture a guess that at least 90% of the people listening to this podcast probably more are knowledge workers and that means that your your main it is your brain. It's your learning. It's your training. It's what you are picking up on and what you're able to do. So I think you really need to be investing in learning all kinds of different things. And that's what I've been having a lot of fun with is you're kind of able to, I mean, I knew nothing under the sun about graphic design or 
any of these areas. And I think the more you start branching into other disciplines, you start to realize that there's there's just so much that you can learn. And at the very beginning, you might not know how it's going to end up being useful for you. Um, but that would be my advice is be a sponge and pick up anything that interests you. Really follow, like really just focus on learning, especially that first stage of your career. Um, working hard, I think, but I would probably add the caveat that most CPAs do work hard. Um, I, I would really have a hard time coming up with a single example of a CPA that doesn't work hard. So I think you need to be working smart. I think you need to find a way to differentiate yourself. So um, find what your unique strengths are and your unique talents and what what you can do differently because it's almost an expectation to to work hard. So I, I think you need a little bit more than that. So so really think strategically about how you can work smarter. And maybe the last one, I, I read a book and it was um, The Five Regrets of the Dying. I know that sounds incredibly morbid, <laughs> but one of the pieces of advice, it was this lady that spent a lot of time with people um, on their deathbeds. And she started noticing this theme and started documenting it and, and would kind of always ask people, you know, what what do you regret about your life? And I think one of the, one of, it, it really struck a chord with me because she, what she put in this book is so many people were saying that they regret they didn't live a life that was more authentic, that was more what they wanted to do. And they kind of got pressured into doing what their friends and family and society and everyone around them expected to be doing. And I think that's a life lesson that I'm still very much learning. Um, but I think that kind of branching out on my own is probably one of those steps in that direction of figuring out what is it that I kind of want to be doing and kind of be willing to take that sort of a risk to do something unconventional. So I guess I would suggest anyone listening, like grab a pen and a paper and sometime this evening, just even if it's just for 20 minutes, like jot down on a, on a notepad or somewhere, write what it is that you actually want for your life. Like if you were not being judged in any way, shape or form. And, and if that's exactly what you're doing now, perfect. Like you're, you're nailing it. That's excellent. Um, but if you're kind of feeling like, oh, I'm just doing this because that's what everyone else in class that I went to, to, you know, to study accounting with is doing. And if you're not really questioning it, I, I guess I would just challenge, like it's, it's worthwhile questioning it probably don't do what I did. Don't, don't quit your job during the pandemic. Make sure you had everything planned up. Um, but start making some of those, you know, start moving in that direction and start tweaking to make sure that, I mean, you got one shot. So start, yeah, start figuring out what it is that you really want to be doing and how you want to be spending your time and start making tiny little shifts to move you closer to that direction. And, yeah, I think that I think that would be my life lesson so far. But I, like I said, I've got a lot more life lessons I know I need to learn. So certainly, um, certainly a lot more learning to do there. That's okay. That is great advice. Uh, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me today uh, to share your thoughts and provide advice to the next generation of entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. But before <laughs> we wrap up, um, I do have one final and very important question for you. Uh, what's next for the Regulatory Learning Lab? 
Oh, I would say a big launch. I'm I'm pretty excited to get this going. And um, I, I just want to keep experimenting and keep refining and keep making it better. And I don't know, if we can put a man on the moon, then I think we can at least step up our game in regulatory finance and utility training. So maybe, maybe that sounds a little crazy, but I'm just, I'm excited. I know it's going to be a really tough year, but uh, I'm ready just to start tweaking and experimenting and just having some fun. So that's what's next. Great. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth featured solopreneur and founder of the Regulatory Learning Lab, Carolyn Sissons, CPA, CMA. Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list for exclusive content. As always, if you have ideas for future episodes or have any feedback you'd like to share, Email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective, and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.